You are listening to The Benchcast with your host, the man whose business is benching, Coach Ben. What's up, everyone? Coach Ben here. It is time to talk benching. This is The Benchcast, the number one podcast if you want to increase your bench press. And today we're going to be discussing programming for the bench press and in specific progressions that I like to take with my athletes when it comes to the bench press. So if you're looking for training ideas, if you're looking for things you could start implementing in your training, you come to the right place. We're going to discuss that today. I got a lot of good stuff I can share with you guys uh, on how we're going to progress the bench um, in different ways over the course of a training cycle. So let me start off by saying a training cycle for my athletes, what I like to do is run things about 16 weeks. Okay, this is a good chunk of time. This allows us to actually make some substantial progress before testing weights again. This allows us to compete about three times per year, especially if you're a full power athlete. That's a, that's a good amount of competing. Okay, three times a year, usually two times for full power athletes is a real good sweet spot. Some compete less, some compete more, but... A 16-week training cycle is, is that sweet spot for me. I find I like to uh, see our athletes compete about every four months or so, test their lifts every four months or so. Um, you know, there's always progressions built in place so we can see that progress. But in terms of laying it all out in the line, we're going to do that about three times per year. So with that being said, in a 16-week training cycle, all right, these are things in which I am going to progress the bench press during that time. So we're talking off-season work, which would be you know the first block or so, weeks one through four. You could include weeks five through eight in that. Um, but the point being, earlier on in the training cycle, we're probably going to be doing some different things. We're probably going to be doing things that aren't quite as specific to our competition lift, our competition bench, in terms of, the grips we're using or the, the commands and or different things such as that bars even. And I'm going to get into that with you guys. But a lot of things might be different because earlier on we have a bit different goals than when we're competing. When we're competing and we're in the later end of a training cycle, what we're looking to do is be highly specific because we're training for a specific goal. We're, we're training for a specific movement pattern. All right, we want to be as specific as possible because at the end of the day, when we go into that meet, we have to complete the bench press with our butt on the pad with three commands, bench, press, and rack. All right, that is what we have to do in terms of performance on the platform. If all you're focused on is gym lifts, a little bit different. You can just, you can do whatever the hell you want, really. But in terms of competitive powerlifting, that is what we need to train for with a straight bar bench press with a straight bar commands the whole shindig okay now earlier on in the training cycle this is where i always tell my athletes don't get obsessed with numbers yet all right we have a different training goal now okay we have to worry more about performance and wait on the bar later because obviously the marker of us making progress in powerlifting is on the platform we're getting stronger. It's showing in our performance. 
earlier on in the training cycle, why we have a different mindset is one, gives yourself a little bit of a mental break. I mean, trying to push numbers constantly, especially later in your career, when progress just naturally starts to slow down, it becomes more difficult to always make progress. If you obsess too much with numbers, you are going to drive yourself crazy. You need to have a mental break. Um, it doesn't mean you have to take time off from lifting completely. You got to understand lifting is something that, you know, we first got into this. I bet everyone you listening, we first got into lifting or competitive powerlifting because it was exciting. It was fun. We enjoyed the workouts. We enjoyed the training because if you didn't, you probably wouldn't have done this. All right. If your first meet, the whole training sucked and, and you didn't want to do it, I guarantee you, you probably didn't do a meet. So you enjoyed it at the onset. When things start getting difficult and you start doing higher level meets and there's this pressure you built up in yourself, you need a mental break. Again, some people like to take time off from lifting all together and give themselves a little break. But if you're anything like me, I enjoy the process of lifting. I enjoy going to the gym. I enjoy pushing myself. I enjoy the challenge. It just it might need to take a little bit of a different look for a little bit when we're at the beginning of a training cycle. So this is a point in time in which we're not obsessing with numbers. We're able to use more variance because we're not necessarily stressed about making sure our competition straight bar bench press is in that performance peak yet. Okay, so we can do a lot of things that we would consider fun and the most important thing are valuable to us as lifters that are going to give us variation, build specific weak points, um, and all that. So I'm going to share with you, I have six different things here. I'm sure we could come up with some more, but um, six of the major progressions that I like to take over the course of a training cycle. Now keep in mind, every individual lifter, you know, if you're listening to this, you might not want to do all of these um, exactly how I lay them out. But if one of these progressions really kind of hits home to you, you may want to try this in your training. And I don't use all these progression with my athletes. I have some lifters who were doing the competition bench press with a straight bar for the majority of a training cycle. I'm sticking with the same grips with them for the majority of the training cycle. We're using you know, the same commands, majority of the training cycle. So, I mean, you can see there's going to be major differences person to person. There's there's always that factor. There's always that individuality, which is why you want a coach, a coach in your corner in the first place to help decipher all that. All right, what do you need specifically? Um, it can be a lot to handle on your own, right? You're not sure, you know, exactly what you should be doing, when you should be doing it. You know, obviously having a coach takes all that out of the way. You could just go in and focus on performance, being the athlete. So with that said, again, take this with a grain of salt for what it's worth. Implement it where you feel like it would benefit you best. But first up, we're going to go with setup. Okay, and what I mean by the setup when I'm talking these bench press progressions over a training cycle. So we're talking over a period of 16 weeks. A way we can progress setup is going from not having really any setup in a safe manner. We still want to keep our shoulders tucked. And at the end of the day, that's really where the that's the what we're trying to target in terms of preventing injury. Okay, shoulders in a good position, back taking the weight, not trying to control the weight through the arms 
not putting undue stress on the shoulders, trying to help eliminate some of that increased range of motion that's not necessary. Okay, so that's key. Okay, so when I'm saying setup, I don't mean completely lay down flat with your shoulders way out of position. That's not the case. And then going into a meet, obviously the full setup of what we do at the meet to try to cut range of motion as most as possible. So how this progression would work would really be if we strip it all down, we'd be at a Larson press. Okay. We'd be at a Larson press with that's completely putting your feet out straight in front of you. So you don't even have an end cap. You don't even have something to kind of hold your positioning. Your just feet are completely out. It's all upper body pressing. There is no lower half involved. Your hips are sitting flush to the pad. You want to keep your shoulders in a good position, but it's all upper body. So that's one extreme we can do early in the offseason. As the competition nears, we start going into maybe a feet up bench. A feet up bench, we can get into a good setup position. We have that end cap of our feet on the pad. Even if we're not pushing, it's holding our position in place. So we have that. All right, and then as the competition nears, we do our full setup where we have our feet on the floor and we're really trying to push. And that's going to allow us to set up tighter. That's going to allow us to transfer more force to the bar. So when it comes to setup, you can work this however you want. I mean, you could spend two weeks doing Larson Press or you can spend six weeks doing it, transition the feet up, and then transition to comp bench. Or you could do comp bench the whole time. I mean, it really depends on the athlete. I will say, if your Larson press is pretty similar to your competition bench press with your feet down, I wouldn't give it much attention, all right, because you need to develop your comp bench with your leg drive. If your Larson press sucks compared to your competition bench, and believe me, I was I was in that position, you can stand to gain a lot from it, all right? If your Larson press, your feet up bench is noticeably much worse than your competition bench, that is something you could stand to get a lot better at. So keep that in mind. That's where that individuality comes in. What do you specifically need? You might need to play around with that a little bit. You know, do you have a good setup in the first place? If you're a rather flat bencher, you don't have much of an arch, you're probably going to have a similar Larson press. So there's not really any purpose in taking you away from setting up well because um, your setup isn't going to be that crazy different than what you would experience with a Larson press. You know, That's individual athlete stuff. Okay, so that's setup. You can go from a Larson to a competition. Now, we'll talk grip. All right, now, this is another thing that varies. So we could start with a close grip and go to a wider grip. Reason why we do this and not really the other way around is because a close grip is really going to build a wide grip. But a wide grip isn't necessarily going to build a close grip. You got to think range of motion here, too. You're putting in more effort when you do a close grip. Now... Many ask me, you know, my grip is pretty close, right? Is that a problem? And no, this is, again, an individual thing. You may be better off with a close grip because it plays into your strengths. Maybe you have super strong triceps. Maybe you load into your lats better with a closer grip. You can create more stability. Maybe you don't have as much uh, shoulder stability with a wider grip. It's something to consider. So, no, you don't have to go to a wider grip as the competition nears. Um, is that a strategy? Certainly. So myself, like I mentioned, with Larson Press being something that was a huge weakness to me, a close grip bench is a huge weakness to me as well. Uh, there's definitely uh, a challenge to that that I don't have as much when I have a wide grip, partially because the setup's there with a wide grip. I don't have much range of motion. 
All right, if I combine a Larson press with a close grip, then I have a huge amount of range of motion, and that's difficult. So that's one progression you can take for sure is going from close grip early in the off-season, like early in the training cycle, and again, sticking with that for as long as you need and then progressing to a wider grip over time. So maybe you start off you know, pinky on the ring, maybe every two weeks, every four weeks, maybe you bring a finger out. It's just one of the strategies out there. It's something that you can implement into your training. All right, so we have setup, grip, and now I'm going to go with pause, okay? The amount of time you are pausing on your chest. We can progress this too. We can go from a super long pause to a competition pause as the competition nears. This is something I really love to implement, especially when we're doing uh, conjugate type programming. So if, uh, if I'm having a, especially a raw athlete, if I'm having a raw athlete doing conjugate split, they're working up to a max effort, usually I'm going to have them do, say it's like a five rep max, but the first block we do a longer pause. So that the next block, if they actually executed that pause to a strict standard, the next block right, will be able to progress that same five rep max because we did it prior with a three second hold. Now we can do it with a regular competition hold. Or you could go from a five second hold to a three second hold. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways you can kind of progress that. So. Uh, that's something that you could do as well, and I like that strategy. I feel like most raw benchers need to spend more time down at chest level. They need to pause longer. They need to show more control. They need to build up that tension in the bottom, and not only the bottom, but holding weights at the top. I find most athletes just need to be more strict with their benching because, again, touch and go is such an act of randomness. I mean... You could hit one spot, bounce out of that. There's just, there's not much control. Even if you think you're controlled, that bar can easily take a different direction. All right, you don't realize if you're on a so um let's let's say this if you're on a tight rope, okay, pretend you're walking across a tight rope. Are you gonna freaking sprint across the tight rope, or are you going to slowly walk and make sure you don't fall? Well, that's kind of the, the amount of accuracy we are talking about when we're talking about making sure you're controlling your bench. Uh, it has to be a precise line like that because we're looking for a specific bar path, a specific level of control. If you're sprinting across that tightrope, you're going to get somewhere pretty quick and probably you know spend less energy, but you're probably going to fall off that tightrope and freaking bust your ass. You know, so I hope that analogy kind of hits home with that. But that's something that we can do as well. Uh, longer pauses early in the training cycle, shorter pauses later on. And I really, I would never have my athletes, unless it's speed bench work, do any sort of touch and go. I want them all to execute uh, a pause, okay? Make training harder than it is in competition. Competition becomes easy. So setup, grip, pause. Now we can go into equipment. What I mean by equipment is raw to a bench shirt would really be that progression. If you're not a shirted athlete, um, you could even go from raw to a slingshot. Uh, the idea, uh, even uh, wrist wraps, even wrist wraps would fall into this category. You could go from not training with wrist wraps to adding wrist wraps in. 
maybe uh, you know elbow sleeves, you're, you would be taking that away. So you go a little more support there. You take that away near the end. So any equipment that aids us in the bench press um, that we're going to use towards the competition, we can sprinkle in later on. The reason why we would stay away from wrist wraps is to strengthen our wrist joint. Definitely something you're going to want to do. A reason we would get out of elbow sleeves because we can't wear them in a competition. So we would slowly start to strip those down. Um, if we're talking about going from raw to a slingshot, usually slingshot, something you might sprinkle in a little bit closer to the meat is overload work. Get used to handling a bit heavier a weight. Um, the shirt idea, right? Maybe you do your first block raw. If you're a shirted athlete, build up that raw strength and then you transition over to a shirt. Another strategy I like to use with my equip lifters is using a training shirt and then progressing into a tighter competition shirt. Okay, so using your F6s or your, your um, I don't even know what, what Inzer has, the Phenoms, you consider a Rage X to, who knows, lighter shirts, or you just have a shirt that's more broken in that you've used. Um, that's usually my strategy when I was in the Inzer SDP. I would have shirts that I had already previously used that I've had for a while. I would use them earlier in the training blocks, and then I would progress shirts every block. I would work in a tighter and tighter shirt as the competition neared, and I love that strategy. It allows you to really reserve a lot of pop out of your tight competition shirt. So that's a strategy you can implore too is adding equipment as you go every block. You know, This is something that I did um, prior to when I hit my first 600-pound bench. I was doing this a lot with slingshots on a second bench day. I was at first using a light blue slingshot. The next block I would progress with a red slingshot. The next block I would progress with a black slingshot and a mad dog or a ram. Alright, so every block I was adding more and more weight during the progression just for the fact that I was adding more equipment to get more pop. Okay, so that is a great strategy to go and implement um, is just adding in equipment like that. And that's worked really well for me too over my career. So setup, grip, pause, equipment, that's four things. Now we're talking about range of motion. Okay, and what I mean specifically with that is we could take the progression of partial range to full range. Now typically you'll see this more with equipped athletes and use of boards. Now, you really got to kind of be careful here. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of this progression. A lot of athletes, and I've wrote about it before I did. I've wrote on Elite FTS a board cycle that you could use raw or equipped where you're progressing down on boards. And earlier on in my training career, I definitely did this more with a bench shirt, but then you realize how much how much benefit you can get out of just being more full range training longer to that competition style so again this wouldn't really affect a raw athlete here this specific one you could go from doing a closer grip board work especially maybe if you have some shoulder injuries i could see this being uh being an effect here um but overall i mean for a shirt adventure this is probably gonna uh, make more sense you go from higher boards get that dialed in this is kind of like a shirt breaking process right we work down on boards to get the full range it's just another progression option not one i'm a huge fan of not one i implement a ton it depends it has to be the right athlete in the right situation 
Again, shirt breaking, that's a situation which we'll do that. Uh, maybe they just need more top end work, so maybe we'll do that. Uh, but it has to the fit what's at hand. But that's one you could do too, range of motion. And that kind of goes back to, to affecting the setup, right? With a Larson press, you're going to have a greater range of motion. With a comp grip, your uh, comp setup, you're going to have less range of motion. Same things with grips. So that kind of plays into that as well. Uh, and then we can use different bars. So I would use the term equipment again, but different meaning here. We're using different implementations in terms of what we're training with. All right, and how we can progress here is we could go from one of the furthest extremes, like a cambered bar, for example, right? That's pretty extreme difference than a straight bar. A cambered bar meaning, you know, that giant camber that you usually see when you see athletes squat, right? They have, or, you know, we call it a spider bar, whatever you want to call it, um, that it drops the weight, the ends drop down towards your hips, so that the weight is sitting around your hips. We can actually throw that in the bench. And the weight's going to sit low. And it's going to be very unstable. It's going to move around. Alright. But it's something that we can use as a training effect. Great for building lockout. Great for building stability and control. Uh, it's a thicker bar. We can use things like an axle bar. We can bench with a big grip bar. Alright. We can bench with a camber bar. Is a great example. And that's more specific to a straight bar. But keeps us through a greater range of motion. All right, actually adds range of motion. So we would progress all the way into doing a competition-specific power bar, you know, with the same type of diameter grip to it. So that's another strategy we can implement that I really like, uh, using different bars earlier in the training cycle, getting your working with a camber bar, getting your working with a football bar, because... As the meet nears, we want to try to accumulate as much volume as possible and much specificity as possible with what we're trying to achieve on the platform. So, you know, we wouldn't be benching with a football bar for the last four weeks leading up into a meet and then all of a sudden go to a straight bar. Probably not a progression that we're going to take. So we're going to go from weird-ass bar early on, get the training effect desired from that bar, and then let it help us transition into closer to a straight bar that we would um, use in competition and we'll gain benefits that way okay so to recap this for you i know i talked a good amount but uh bench progressions here uh, and this is programming progressions you can influence setup all right going from a larson which is pretty much zero setup to a competition full setup grip you can go from a close grip to a wide grip. Pausing, going from long pauses down to a competition pause. Equipment, you can go from doing raw work into shirt work or raw into slingshot. Range of motion, right? You could go from high boards down to full range of motion down to chest level. And then bars, you can go from your extreme bars, your football bars, your camber bars, Cadillac bars into a straight bar you would use in competition. All right, so if you, uh, I hope you took away some things that you could start implementing in your training. But again, I just want to forewarn you guys. I don't want you going into your training and trying to add every little bit I said to you. I don't use this all in conjunction. We're not starting off with a Larson cambered bar board press with a close grip. You know, I'm not trying to use all of these 
in succession here uh, together. I am just pointing these out as possible ways and you can progress your bench press leading up into a meet or a testing day where we want specificity. Okay, so take it for what it's worth. I will use these in different ways in which it really depends on the individual. If you're not sure on how these could benefit you and how to work these progressions, feel free to reach out to me or you know to any uh, well-seasoned coach that would know how to work these into your training and what would benefit you. you know, but down below, we have a link. You can get a hold of me and schedule a coaching call. Um, we can discuss some of these things and how we can work these progressions in to better you. But I know it's a lot. These are all things in which we will do to influence you getting stronger. Take it for what it's worth. Figure out what speaks to your weak points and then start to implement them in your training. And then obviously it's going to be a little bit of trial and error. You know, try some of these things out. What do you find you're super weak at, you're not great at? You know, is that a feet up football bar with a closer grip? You know, do you suck at that? Probably something to build up. So there's definitely going to be some trial and error here as well. So I appreciate everyone listening today. I thought this was a really great podcast, something you guys can take a lot into in your training. If you feel the same way, um, give me a big favor. Just give me a thumbs up on the podcast, like the podcast, and share it out to a friend. That's all I ask. This will always be a free podcast. I just want to influence as many people as possible. So if you could just share with a friend, spread word, share it on your IG stories. All that means a ton to me, and I really, really appreciate that. So thank you very much for listening, guys, and I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give it a thumbs up and share. If you want more information on how to transform your bench press, consider checking out the Better Benching Academy on BigBenches.com. This is the ultimate resource for building your bench. Head on over to BigBenches.com to see how you can get started today.